God would have it that uh, my voice is weak again today, so praise Him, huh? Because <laughs> I wrestled with Him over that. Come on, God! <laughs> Darn voice. Anyway, ah, it's good to be with you. It's good to be with you in an in Advent. It's good to worship together. That was awesome worship again, Laura. Thank you. The human condition, it's some sense it's kind of dire, right? We were created perfect, we were created for eternity, but we rebelled against God. We, we, we had a thought for a moment that we could do it better ourselves, that, 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 that we, we could be like God, you know, I mean, how hard is it, right? And the tragedy is it wasn't just Adam and Eve that had this decision to think that they could do it on their own. It's all of us have made that decision. You know, we just can't just blame it on our ancestors. You know, sometimes it's nice to blame it on your parents for stuff, right? You know, hey, it's not my fault. I mean, look at how I was raised. It's my parents, you know, they're horrible, right? You know, no, we, we can't do that. We've all made our own choices and we're all responsible for our own choices. So because we rebelled, we're in this crazy spot where even though we were created for eternity, we are facing death. And as eternal beings, we just know that this isn't right. Whether you're a Christian or not, there's just something in the human soul that wants to carry on, that wants to be eternal, that wants to keep going. That recognizing that death is just, it's, it's not right. It's, it's not what I was destined for. And so we're in this fight as human beings against death. This battle to try to defeat death. There's two ways that we tend to deal with death is first of all we try to prolong our life. We, we try to do whatever we can to, 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 to add meaning to this life. That this, this life is not just you know, nothing, right? That it's not just you know, me here for 80 years and then gone, right? We, we, we want to add something to this and to prolong this life as much as we can. The other thing we try to do is we try to defeat death through establishing or creating a legacy. The, the idea that, you know, people will remember me after I'm gone. You know, you know we, 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 we think that's the way to defeat death. That, you know, if, even after I die, if there's still people that are thinking about me, talking about me, you know, reading my books or whatever it may be, right? That, 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 that is the legacy that, we, that I am going to be able to beat death that way. And this fight against death is something I think all of us struggle with. We, we all are struggling and fighting this fight, whether we're Christians or not. We still just recognize that death is wrong, we're meant for eternity, and so we want to somehow get over and through and defeat death. The way that we do that is 
through a perspective of life. The way we do that is by putting our faith in something. It's something that we feel like we can trust. Something we feel like that is going to prolong our life and give us the legacy that we want. And there's so many things that we can put our faith in. I, I mean, it's, it's not like there's just one or two options. There's lots of options. And, and the options have to oftentimes, which ones we choose at least, end up having to do with you know, what we've experienced personally, or maybe what we've grown up. You know, there's, there's perspectives and, and things we put our faith in that we do because that's the way we were raised, right? Our family just does that, right? That's, this is what we put our faith in. Some of us, you know, it's just something we come to later on in life, and we realize, ah, this is the perspective. This is the thing that I need to live for. This is what I need to put my faith in. Or maybe it's a cultural thing. Your culture has a tendency to be drawn to one or more of these different things and perspectives to be able to put your faith in, which will help to prolong your life and give you a legacy where people will remember you after you're dead. In order to understand these perspectives, we need to first of all understand faith. So I just want to take a moment to look at the elements of faith, because faith can be a confusing perspective or a confusing topic. The reality is, is that every one of us in this room and in the world puts our faith in something. Every one of us live by faith. But the question only is, what are you putting your faith in? So faith and its foundations is first of all an understanding of truth. It's, it's coming to the awareness that there is a certain perspective a certain way to live that will prolong your life and give you this legacy that we seek. And so, it's, it's first of all just a truth. It's sometimes a truth that we hear from others, or sometimes we observe it from others, or sometimes we read it on our own. But here's the deal. Whether or not you understand the truth or not does not make it true. What I mean is that we can believe things are true, but they're not. Right? Our belief and understanding that something is true doesn't make it true. I know we have a culture that says that that's true, that, that the opposite of that is true. That if you believe it's true, then it's true. But that's not true. <laughs> Enough truths in there. The truth is, what you believe has no bearing on truth. But, if we get a little bit of an understanding, enough of an understanding of a particular perspective of how to live life, that will lead us to the next step in faith, which is acceptance. Acceptance is where we go, okay, this is not just something that I've heard from others. This is not something I've just seen others live. But this is something that I believe is true, and I'm going to accept as truth. Again, our acceptance of truth has no bearing on whether it is true or not. You know, our culture says, well, if it's true for you, then it's true. That is not true. <laughs> what is true, if true is true, true is what is real. Truth is what is act the way it actually is. 
It's not some created thing in my mind. It's not something that's based on my emotions. It's not based on whether I believe it or not. Truth is what correlates with reality. So we have a perspective that we begin to understand, a way to live our life. And then we come to a point where we yes, that perspective, I think, is true. I accept that as truth. But we still don't have faith yet, because there's still one more piece that we need in order to add to the foundation of faith, and that is trust. Trust is where we actually live in accordance of what we understand and what we've accepted as truth. It's, it's when we actually live it out. We can understand a perspective or a way of living. We can accept that way of living as true. But we may still not live that way. And so we're not putting our faith in it. Again, our trusting in truth does not make Truth, truth. It has no bearing on whether what we believe and have accepted in our living is true. But if we understand it, if we accept it, and if we live it, that is the thing that we are putting our faith in. And as we live that out, no matter what it is that we're putting our faith in, we will either grow in that faith or we will decline in that faith of that thing, that perspective that we're living. So like I said, there's a lot of different ways that we, a lot of different things that we can put our faith in. A lot of different ways of living that we can choose to say, yeah, that's, that's the way I want to live. And I have three of them before us today that I want to look at. I think uh, pretty popular ones in our culture today. The first one is a faith in work. The idea here is that we would be able to prolong our life through value, through being needed. And the, and the legacy that we seek to gain through work is through our effort, and that we would be remembered for our accomplishments. Those who are putting their faith in work are living for work. They fill their schedules to overflowing. They are constantly busy. There's never downtime for them. Sleep is four, maybe five, if they're lucky on a weekend, six hours of sleep. Because they're, they're just too busy. they got too many things they have to do. They are frantically going from one thing to the next all day long, every day. And, and they, there's no margin in their life. They don't even have time for a stoplight. Right? You know, no, no, wait a second. You're supposed to be green this time of day. You can't do this to me. I'm going to be late for my meeting now. Many of us in our culture are stuck in this faith of work. Focused on being busy and adding value to our life by being needed. We have our hands in all these things, and if I have all these things that are going on, then I'm needed. I can't just miss the meeting. I'm needed at the meeting. I can't just, you know, miss my you know, next appointment. That's a really important appointment. It's going to make a difference. 
I think we see this oftentimes in parenting, and it, it kind of is exposed, I think, in parenting. It's not that parenting creates it, but parenting exposes it. Because having kids is, it's like, so busy, right? I mean, I had three kids, and that's just a few, right? I mean, pitch roughs, they got nine. I don't know how they do that, right? I mean, but three are just like, oh my gosh, we were so busy all the time. I mean, you have not just your stuff that you want to do, but you have all the things your kids want to do. And, and especially as they get to be teenagers, you're just your taxi driver. You're just constantly taking them from one spot to the next, you know? It's like Uber calls and, okay, here I am, you know, yeah, thanks for showing up. I mean, they don't talk to you. No, they just get in the car and it's like you get to the next spot, right? And this is what it is to be a parent. Um, so, but I think this exposes oftentimes if we are living a life that is a, a faith that is in work. Because all of a sudden, our kids just, our, our schedule just goes over the top and we can't control it. It's just beyond us. And, and, and I see so many parents that are just frazzled and just out of their minds because they just, their life is so crazy and, and busy. Yeah, have you guys ever heard of FOMO, right? Fear of missing out, okay? This is this culture. We don't use words anymore. We just use the first letter of the word. So FOMO for fear of missing out, okay? F-O-M-O. -O. Well, parents get this as well. They have FOMO. So fear of my kids missing out. Right? And so they even allow their kids to do everything. It's like they never say no to their kids. Their kids show some interest in, you know, uh, in, in math. And so they oh, we got to be in math club. Right? You want to be in math club? Yeah, I want to be. Okay, we're in math club now. And then they show some interest in lacrosse. Like, who ever plays lacrosse? It's just a crazy game. But, you know, now we've got to be at lacrosse practice, right? And, and we just never say no because we don't want our kids to miss out. And it's a good thing, right? We, we love our kids. We want to expose them, but our schedules just get consumed. We're frantically searching for life and legacy. To be needed and to be remembered when we're gone for the accomplishments. You know, there are kids that remember, oh man, mom was so great, dad was so great, because they just let me do it. They you know, were taking me to all these places. But may we hear the truth and I will say this, may we hear the capital T truth about God. In Psalm 46.10, that says, Be still and know that I am God. You know, God calls us to slow down. We are in a culture that says, go, go, go. But God is constantly saying, no, 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 just slow down a little bit. It's not that Christians aren't busy. I mean, if we're living according to what God's will is and, and following Him wherever He leads, we're going to be really busy. <coughs> but we won't be frantic busy. Because God is always giving us margin. He's always slowing us down. He's saying, look, don't get sets or hurry. Relax. John 15, 4 and 5 says that we can't do anything without Him. This is about the vine and the branch. It says, remain in me, and if you remain in me, in other words, if you slow down a little bit, focus on me, then you'll be able to do something. In other words, yeah, we can do a whole lot of things, but it has no meaning unless we're in the vine, unless we're doing what God is leading us to do. Yet we spend our life, if we have our faith and work, doing all of these things for our own glory. Consider this God that we worship who created on six days in Genesis 2-3, God rested.
Matthew 11, 28 and 30, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, all of you who are living your faith in works, who are constantly going and going and never have a break and never have an opportunity to take a moment for yourself and just sit there and relax and, and pray or to think or to read your Bible or just to do nothing and take a nap. All of you, I, come to me because I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. It is not about accomplishing it's about God accomplishing. We can't do it. The things that we do and accomplish will disappear. They will fade away and they will mean nothing. The stuff that's important, the stuff that will last, is what God does. Because God is an eternal being who has created eternal beings and He wants to use us to accomplish His eternal purposes. But when we're busy doing our own thing, we miss out on the eternal things. The life of a Christian who has placed their faith in God is busy, but it's God who sets their schedule. And the amazing thing is, is they do less, but they accomplish more. next thing that we can put our faith in is wealth. We seek to prolong our life through security to be protected. We've got enough money. We seek to have a legacy through our portfolio that we would be remembered because of the inheritance we left our family. These people who live for wealth, we, we fill our bank accounts and our garages to overflowing. We, we become Scrooges this time of year, right? We become penny pinchers. We become those people who are constantly worried about how much money is in the bank account. Constantly worried about whether we got enough. You know, you know, we always have that rainy day fund, which, you know, that's good financial practice, don't get me wrong. But, you know, that rainy day fund, it keeps going up what we need in there. We, we keep wanting and having more and needing more. Totally focused on our security being in that money. This is the faith that we're putting our, we're, this is what we're putting our faith in, is wealth. We become hoarders of wealth and of stuff. Become obsessed with accumulating more. We're on a frantic search, again, for life and legacy. To feel like our life today is protected, that, that we can live on a hill somewhere where we own the whole hill and we don't have to worry about what's going on in the rest of the world. That we're safe there because we've got the supplies, we've got our space, it's ours. And that we would be remembered the inheritance that we leave our kids, the trust funds that we've left for them so that they're cared for. <coughs> but once again, hear the capital T, truth, about God. Matthew 6, 25-34 says, do not worry about your life. 
This whole little story that Jesus gives is talking about, first of all, the birds of the air. He says, look at these birds. They don't store up. They, they don't hoard you know, the seeds or any of the food that they find or the worms. No, they eat it all right down. But they're cared for for their whole life. Do you think maybe that you, who I created different in my image, is more valuable than the birds? Don't worry about your life. Then he goes into the grass of the field and says, look how beautifully they're clothed. And you know, we just cut those down and throw them in the fire. Do you, do you think maybe you're more valuable than some weeds? Yeah, don't worry about what you're going to wear. He's, don't worry about your life. I've got it. I'll take care of you. He says to store up our treasures, not on earth. This is where moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal. The wealth that we accumulate here is fleeting. There's no guarantee in it. So we store up our treasures where instead in heaven. Matthew 13, 44 to 46. This is just verse 44, but consider this as your treasure. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys the field. It's not that there was a huge field and there was value in the field. It was that the treasure was in the field. The kingdom of heaven is the treasure. That's the thing that will last for all eternity. That's the thing that's worth accumulating. That's the value. That's where the true value is. God is our only inheritance that makes a difference, that lasts. The inheritance that we should seek to leave, leave is a relationship with God. Faith in God is the greatest inheritance that any person could receive. The next area that we can tend to put our faith in is influence. Here we seek to prolong our life through purpose, that, that we would make a difference, right? That, that our legacy would be our reputation, that we would be remembered for our impact. Boy, you know, that person, they, they really made a difference in this world. I mean, they really did some good things. My, you know, my dad was just this awesome guy. And even though he's gone, I remember all the great things that he did and the people that he loved and impacted and influenced. And, and oh my gosh, just look at this. Yeah, this, is, this is influence. Those who live by faith and influence fill their contact list in their phones to overflowing. They're concerned with all the relationships that they need to build so that they can continue to step up the ladder of influence. So that they can have more access to more people. So that they can be listened to by more people. They, they want to rub shoulders with you know, the, the famous people. And they want to get to know the, the presidents and the authorities and the people who are in power. They want to be known by them because they want to be them. 
faith and influence are always looking for the next big thing. They're frantically searching for the opportunity to make a difference and to be remembered, to have a reputation of one who has made an impact. But again, here, the capital T truth about God. He says that we should live for the helpless. Matthew chapter 25, verse 31 to 46. Passage about the sheep and the goats. He says, don't worry about caring for those people that can return the favor. He says the ones that we really need to be focused on are the ones who can't return the favor. That we would be not focused on building relationships only with the ones who will give us a hand up to the next level, but that we would have relationships with those who are below us in a sense that can't help us in any way, that have nothing to offer us, but that we would step down and we would be a part of their world, that we would not just be giving handouts, but that we would allow them to influence us. That we would build a relationship with them that is long-lasting and not just for today, not just so I can give you a meal and get out of the way, but know that we would know them and they would know us. In James chapter 2, 1 to 7, James talks about this, you know, this concept that we're in church and a rich man shows up and he gets this great seat up front. You know, this is the best seat right here, by the way, guys, so that's why you're sitting there. Because you are just so valued by everyone. Or then the poor guy walks in and he gets the back corner sitting on the floor. There he is, Joe over there. Hi, Joe. Good to see you. (laughs) And James is like, what are you guys doing? Why are you treating these people differently? We're all the same. Love each other the same. There's no hierarchy in heaven. We're all the same at the foot of the cross. God tells us that we should seek His approval, not man's in Ephesians 6.6. He says, if you are hated, don't be surprised. Jesus was hated as well. He says that God himself is the influencer, not us. We just need to know God. John 17, 21, Jesus says that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I am in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. It is not God coming to to be a part of our world. It is us coming and being a part of God's world. He's the influencer. He's the one that causes us to rise or to fall. He's the one. Oh, thank you. God is the influencer. We are not. We need to get to know the influencer. See, that's what you get for helping out the pastor. (laughs) Start choking on it. You'll rethink that next time. God's like, dude, he is suffering because I want him to suffer. Why did you bring him up? I'll show you. 
is the one whose reputation that we need to build, not our own. He's the one that we need to work for to get people to believe in, not us. He's the one that we want to draw people to because he's the one that will impact our life for all eternity, not us. Faith in God. That's, that's what's true. That is the one perspective that is capital T true. Whether you believe it or not doesn't matter. This is the truth. And we as Christians, we may certainly have a faith of salvation. We, we, we believe enough, we understand enough, we've accepted enough, and we've trusted enough in God for our salvation. But many of us, that's as far as it's ever gone. And we don't trust in God with our life. And so we have to ask ourselves three questions. First, do you know God? If you want to have faith in God, you need to understand who He is. Not just that He's a Savior. But we need to know all the other pieces about who God is. He's super complex, believe it or not. A little bit beyond us. Do you know Him? See, here's the deal. We struggle with faith because we don't know God. We get the salvation piece, and then we just stop there. We never open up the Bible again. We never study the Bible. We never, I mean, we go to church, and yeah, the pastor gets up and, you know, preaches his heart out with no voice at all, but then we walk away, oh, well, that was great, thanks, pastor, and we forget about it tomorrow. It's not about what I said, it's about what he said. Right? That we don't know God. This is why we struggle with faith, is because for some of us, we've never gotten to know God. And the reality is, the better we know Him, the more easily we will accept Him. And that's the second question. Do you accept Him? Because it doesn't matter how much knowledge you have about Him, if you don't accept that it's true, it will have no bearing in your life. We struggle with faith because we don't accept the truths that we know. Some of us study the Bible a lot. We know the Bible really well. We'll defend it to our friends. We'll have all these arguments and talk about theology. Oh yeah, this is God. But we've never accepted it as true for ourselves. We just know it in our head, but we haven't accepted it in our heart. And finally, the question we have to ask because even if we know Him, even if we've accepted Him, we still don't have faith. Faith takes the third piece as well, and that's trust. We've got to trust Him. So do you trust Him? Again, some of us know Him well. Some of them accepted it as truth. But when it comes to living it out in our day-to-day -day life, we refuse. We say, that's just too hard, God. This world doesn't accept Christians. They're going to hate me. Jesus is like, yeah, I know they hated me. Live it up, right? Yeah, but we, we understand the truth. We accept it as true, but we refuse to live it out because of our fear. 
We allow pride to get in the way as well. We think, no, 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 I can do this, God. It's all right. As long as I, you know, it's this, this concept that, you know, we're okay as a Christian as long as we believe the right things. That we think the right things. But where are we living it out? You know, Christianity has a really ugly reputation in America. And it's not just because people are bad-mouthing Christians. It's because we as Christians have not lived out our faith. We walk around and defend our faith with our words, but we don't defend it with our life. We don't have to say anything if we're living it. This is faith. This is what we call to. Not just to believe the right things, not just to accept the right things, but to live the right things. Amen. Do you know it? Do you accept it? Do you trust Him? This Christmas, as we, Advent is about a period of waiting for the arrival of the King. 2,000 years ago, we were waiting for the arrival of Jesus as a baby. We are in the second Advent now as we are waiting for the arrival of the King Jesus. While we're waiting, do you know Him? Have you accepted Him? Are you trusting Him with your life? Not just for salvation, but for all of it. That we would be living every moment, following His lead, hearing His voice, following what He tells us to do, no matter what it is. And even if He tells us to do nothing, that we would sit and have the best nap we've ever had. Because we know we're doing it with Jesus. This is what Christmas is about. It's not about just awesome decorations, which are awesome. It's not about just celebrating the birth of Jesus and singing a bunch of really cool Christmas carols. It's about trusting. It's about having a faith in this Savior, in this King. Because it's through that that all of a sudden, our life is prolonged and our legacy is set not in what I can do but in what He can do. He is an eternal God and He has prepared a place for us. May we live our life in anxious anticipation of receiving that amazing treasure, the Kingdom of God. Worship team, forward please.